Good day, everybody. It is still August in the year 2021, and we're still working uh, within the books, the book, Artificial Intelligence, The New Messiah, and we are on episode four. Very excited to do this. And before I continue any further, I do want to make mention that we are looking for a sponsor of these episodes. And if you do, you can contact me uh, and I'll give you an email address at the very end. Uh, we're going to talk about chapter two, which is the Sephardic Latino writers of the Exodus play. And I'm going to start with uh, one of the sayings that was very common among the Mexican or Southern Colorado families. The saying was, Vecinos afuera de la casa. Translated, it means keep the neighbors outside the home. And that was mostly because the Ladino families or Sephardic families kept their private traditions and customs, you know, inside their home and basically did not allow uh, outsiders in to look at that or even get a view of that or know what's going on. That was a big thing. They were called Seranitas. Um, and that's a really kind of a kind name. It is spelled S-E-R-A-N-D-I-T-A-S. And it loosely translates to meaning those people who knew they were as cryptic Jews. Those would have been called by the Christian or Gentiles. They called this community Seranitas. And uh, the word Seranita actually mean, comes from the word meaning sereno, meaning calm. So it's interesting is it's called that. Um, but who they really were, were the, the Jewish community that spoke Spanish and Hebrew, which is called Ladino. And many times that's taken, mistaken for archaic Spanish or the old Castilian Spanish. And sometimes it is, but many times moreover is really more of the Ladino language concealed as the archaic Spanish. Goes interestingly because this particular community, they're very hard to locate, meaning Christians that try to locate them really had a tough time. When they couldn't find them or couldn't figure out who they were, they would call certain people with the the term maranos or swine. That term uh, became popular in other times of history, but that was uh, what they were called um, if they were not located. You know, that versus the very calm word said Anita. So it's kind of interesting how they're really judged on two different planes. Uh, this community arrived, the first community arrived in the year 1598 with the uh, expedition of Juan de Onate. And what had happened is that particular community left uh, essentially Mexico and formed an expedition. And a number of the families that were on this expedition were in fact Jewish. Um, what's interesting, they came in loca- to locate a one particular area, and that was the latitude marker of 33. Very important to this community because that is the same latitude marker of Jerusalem, the Holy, the, the Holy Land. So they want, felt that was good luck for them to come to this area. So they wanted to be as close as they could to this area, and that's what they did do when they came up through Mexico following the Rio Grande, Rio Grande River. They came to Jerusalem the Holy. And with them, they brought songs, the cuadernos of songs or notebooks of songs. And that's where the, the alabados came in. And the alabados, again, were the, were the songs of psalms, P-S-A-L-M-S. And these were song, sung a cappella. 
but without any musical instrument um, instruments. But amazingly, 1598, that's a long time ago, uh, by the year 1629, the Holy Office of the Inquisition was in pursuit of them. And they opened their office up in Santa Fe, Santa Fe, New Mexico. And again, you know, the Ladino families, they thought they were safe. And they, could have, they came for religious freedom, and pretty soon they found out the office, the Inquisition was opened, and they'd have to hide. And what they do? They They spread all through New northern New Mexico and southern Colorado immediately, as fast as they could, actually. And uh, there the, goes the religious freedom. And so many times you're driving around, you know, especially northern New Mexico, you'll see these adobe houses in the in nowhere. Out of nowhere, they'll come up, and you go, why would they put that there? There's no rivers, no creeks, no land. You know, it doesn't seem like there's much water, not a lot of pasture, maybe on top of a mountain or side of a mountain. And they did that because, you know, they were protecting their privacy. And a lot of times those were the Ladino or Jewish families, and that's how they protected their family. Uh, but what came out of that a little bit later, more like year 1800s, early 1800s, was the group called Hermanos Penitentes. And that particular group uh, was a Christian organization, but definitely had influence from the Jewish community. And that's where the Exodus play comes from. It comes from that particular group. Uh, prior to that, though, in the year 1733, there was a uh, indigenous or Native American recruitment play called Las Pestores, and that particular play is which which housed the Exodus play, and this particular version that I work within, it you know had the written word of Moses, esoteric insight, Kabbalah concepts, Arabic sayings, and things of that nature, and you know in the end, really connected the Dead Sea Scrolls. And that's really how my, my book connects to much of that. The next section we want to talk about is who wrote the Exodus play. You know, the play itself was about 7,000 words. Uh, had, we believe it had multiple authors, multiple lines of thought. And uh, this was written in a time where most people were illiterate, meaning they, didn't, they couldn't read Spanish at all. And the Spanish language really was still rather new at that time. But that particular group did know about the you know New and Old Testament, the Law of Moses of the Torah. They knew about Greek plays, latitudes, clues to the cosmos. And that pretty much leads me to believe that the, this particular amount of intelligence means that they were Kabbalists. And to get this play or to work within the realm of an alabado, they wrote it in the alabado format, meaning four or five sentences, and then separated by the break, and then another four or five sentences. So, um, you know, these Kabbalah writers originally had written that particular document in in Aramaic in the year, oh, I'm going to say mid-12th century. And uh, that's really where they learned really how to hide the Jewish history of esoteric thoughts, beliefs, hidden words, musical notes, sounds. And, you know, that's really how they did it. The main, one of the main guys who did that was a man by the name of Moshe Cordovero. And he was originally, uh, we think, from Portugal. And he wrote a book called, uh, or a concept called Pardes. And it was really a concept of how to conceal your work. 
And I want to make mention of him because we think um, the possibly, you know, he was involved in this concept of how to conceal a work. And uh, the play itself, how it was structured is the next section. And um, again, as I mentioned, it was patterned after a, a recruitment play called Las Posadas. But really, in this play, it was um, a story about El Diablo, the devil. And it was the biblical story of the fall of the angel as an unlikely source. And it'd be kind of odd to tell the Christian play from the devil's point of view, but it was. And when they wrote this play, you know, they had a really crafty use of uh, auto-autonomy types of words, meaning dual mean words. So, for example, the word felicidad meant happiness, and it really referred to happiness of Yom Kippur. Another word that I found later was the word semano, which referred to heaven, of all things, and that ties later on to Capricorn. Another prominent word was tafila, which refers to prayer. Uh, Asmodeo, the king of the demons from the Kabbalah. And then all that had about seven specific Jewish words and about 30 Ladino words in this play. And um, interestingly, at the very uh, an important thing I located was uh, two sentences from the first century historian Flavius Josephus. And I just thought that was so incredible that that was even possible to have his work or something of his work at that time period, but they did. And um, the next section I want to talk about is how the concepts of importance of these, uh, of these historical, historical characters were hidden. And again, um, the Latino words are sounds just like regular Spanish, but they have a different meaning. So, for example, the word lobo, that means, uh, in typical Spanish, means wolf, spelled L-O-B-O. But with the Ladinos, they spell it L-O-V-O. So when you see it the first time, you think, well, they just misspelled it. No, they didn't. They did it specifically for you to not catch on to that type of word. Uh, the other type of things they would do would use specific characters like two characters next to play are Bacto and Tewano. Those are really uh, characters from the Greek history, Greek tragedy. And they pulled that from there and put them in there just to give you a clue that this has this logical educated format from a Greek tragedy. Another one is a very prominent woman in the uh, woman in the the play is Hila J L J I L A, and she was um, written about by Homer in the Iliad, and that was in the year twelve fifty, so very early on. So very very interesting and important. And lastly, um, the characters uh, are tied together in my in this book in Appendix A. And I tie the characters, biblical locations, non-biblical locations, and the basics of the play to the Dead Sea Scrolls and their commonalities. So if you want to take a look at that in the writing. And then lastly, to get a hold of me, I will give you my email address, that, which is xxicent at aol.com. And thank you for listening. And when lastly, again, we are looking for a sponsor. So if you feel that you would like to be sponsored some of these episodes, it would be most welcome.